Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Our exhortation this morning is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 3, where Paul says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In this verse, Paul is warning the Philippians and us against the sin of vainglory. In fact, the Greek word that Paul translates in your English Standard Version as conceit is translated by the King James as vainglory. Though it sounds outdated and antique, few sins are as fashionable in our modern times as the sin of vainglory. We, in fact, have an entire industry built uh, around this vice via the digital theater of social media. But if we distill Paul's words from Philippians 2, and even Jesus' words, think in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, where he uh, warns us about practicing our righteousness before men, the same sort of exhortation as Paul gives, uh, we see a couple things about the sin of vainglory. We see that it is this. Vainglory is a desire to be thought well of, recognized, and applauded by certain persons, whether or not that is deserved, on account of a display of our own excellence, usually by uh, some illicit or excessive means. Okay? So if you didn't get that definition, here's what vainglory sounds like. Vainglory says, I hope they notice and smile when I do this virtuous act. I hope they're here to see me do this thing. It says, I hope they ask about what I've been up to. I hope they laugh at this joke and think me a a funny person. Those are the things that vainglory says. And it manifests itself in a number of different ways. It can look like disappointment at the absence of a certain person or people for a good act that you're going to perform. It looks like exaggerating or making up a story to impress those and please those who are listening. It looks like saying something bad, false, or even something true about somebody else just in order to be thought well of by those whom you are talking to. It looks like changing your title at work to something a little more eye-catching. It looks like embellishing your resume. Young men, it looks like locker room talk, and so on. Moreover, as a capital vice, vainglory can splinter out into a bunch of other areas. It is an ugly head with many members. It can lead to pride by focusing on the self. It can lead to flattery by feeling like you need to build somebody up falsely so that they think well of you. It can become hypocrisy, putting on religious airs to be thought holy. It can lead to boastfulness, covetousness, ingratitude, fear that you won't actually live up to this portrait of yourself that you've painted to the other person. Indeed, vainglory is rooted in a desire to be glorified by the easiest means possible. It's a good and godly desire twisted into a devilish delight. And that's why, even with all of its expressions and extensions, 
Our Father in God, John Chrysostom, says that vainglory is the most heinous sin because it is found not merely in the devil's servants, but equally in Christ's and sometimes even in the name of Christ. This is appalling for the simple fact that we serve a Savior and follow a Lord who submitted himself to the glory of the other in all things that he did. Though he deserved all glory, he refused to get it by conceit. And so fundamentally committed was he to the elevation of the other that he even let it take his own life. But there is merciful medicine for our sickness, even though we do these things, even though we are unlike the Christ that we follow. There is grace. Our Father never merely calls us away from corruption without calling us toward life. In Christ, we can now not merely loathe ourselves for seeking applause, but we can actually find the smile and the applause in Christ that we've been looking for all along. For what makes vainglory so bad is not the glory part. It's the first part, the vanity, looking at yourself rather than others, or vainly looking after glory by doing it in a false way. Our cure for vainglory comes by seeking true glory, the glory that comes from God alone, which is already ours in Christ. The healing of vainglory comes not through false humility, forsaking all of our true talents and opportunities and uh, ability to lead and living as hermits. Rather, the healing of vainglory begins with the pursuit of what the church has historically called magnanimity. There's a good $10 word to add, magnanimity, which is the disciplined, prayerful, and diligent pursuit, a march toward acts of hard-won virtue just for the sake of virtue, just for the sake of loving God and others and not to be applauded. That is magnanimous. We act in faith to glorify the other, knowing that we have and will be glorified. For we are promised reward and recognition in the last day if we, as Augustine says, allow God to crown his own work in us instead of reaching for that crown ourselves. So a couple of practices you can put in place if you see your image in this picture of vainglory. A couple things that we can do. Uh, Number one, keep silence in conversations with three or more people determined to ask more questions of others uh, rather than inserting your own exploits and thoughts and opinions on things. Uh, Practice the discipline of silence. Uh, Maybe you need to go back and delete an old Instagram or LinkedIn account that you use in order to puff yourself up uh, in front of others and that uh, you might have even embellished uh, in order to look good. And finally, you may even need to do the hardest thing, to go back to somebody that you have intentionally lied to to look good and confess that sin to them. That is humbling, and that will keep you from doing it again. Not merely for penance, right? It's not just feeling bad, but to become a person whose first reflex is automatically other-elevating and self-abasing. Ultimately, when it's tempting to root out the sin of vainglory, we must follow Paul's exhortation in Philippians 2, 
in the whole context of Philippians 2, where he rehearses the good news that Jesus, though he was equal with God, did not count that equality as something to be held on to, but emptied himself even to the point of death on our behalf. He alone who had the right to demand all glory from others laid it down in receiving the ultimate favor and glory from his Father. And even then, so that we might share in his glory. Thanks for listening. To find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.